welcome to I Love It, Don't You? The podcast where friends share with friends whether they like it or not. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Kim. And I'm Janelle. And today we're going to talk about my favorite show of all time. Farscape ran from 1999 to 2003 and had a little mini-series that tied everything up in 2004. Um, It stars Ben Browder as John Crichton, who is an astronaut that has been blasted across the universe um, and finds himself on a living ship that is full of a whole bunch of aliens. Uh, Ben's known for starring in Stargate SG-1 for the last few seasons. He also guest starred on uh, Doctor Who and Arrow. Then we have Claudia Black, who played Aaron's son, who um, is this... Actually, she's part of the villains in the beginning. Um, She's a peacekeeper officer, which they're kind of the tyrants of the universe, who uh, or the galaxy, however you want to say it. Um, They attempt to keep peace between all these different races of aliens, but they kind of just turn into overlords. Um, She ends up being exiled and all that good stuff. Uh, Claudia Black is also known for Stargate, as well as having a role in Queen of the Damned and Pitch Black. Then we have Anthony Simcoe, who is Dargo. Um, Dargo's this lovely guy who looks really intimidating because he's giant, muscular, and has tentacles on his face. Um, Dargo is a former prisoner and warrior. We also have Virginia Hay, who is Zan, who's this really pretty blue woman. (laughs) Um, who is also a priest. Then we have Lanny Tupu, who actually plays two different characters. He plays Commander Crace, who is, like, searching after uh, John Crichton because John accidentally kills Crace's uh, brother in the first episode. Yay, not a really a spoiler. Takes, like, five minutes. Um, and then he also plays Pilot, who is, like, this symbiotic being with the ship. Um, I don't know if I said it, but the ship is actually alive. Um, and then we have Jonathan Hardy, who plays Rigel, um, this little bitty tiny uh, squatty alien who goes around on a hovercraft cra- thing um, named Rigel. Yeah. Uh, does the ship have a name? Oh, yeah. The ship's name is Moya. Um, like I said, she's a living being, so she can feel and she breathes and you kind of hear that throughout the episodes. I don't know if you guys did but you can hear the different sounds while they're on the ship and it sounds like she's breathing the whole time and it's interesting to me. I don't know about you guys but I think it's cool. Elizabeth has never seen it though she has wanted to Mm -hmm. um, and she held off until I decided to make this our show for the week. Kim is the complete newbie. I don't think she'd ever heard of it prior to me. Um, So I'm going to start with you. I'm really anxious to hear (laughs) What do you think of this? Because this is not necessarily your normal thing. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan. Okay, I'm uh, not surprised. <laughs> um, I went into it open-minded. I really did. But it just, for me, okay, you had a problem with um, the speed in which they talked on sports night. Mm-hmm. I have a problem with the lack of dialogue. <laughs> yeah. There's um, not, not a lot of dialogue, and as we discovered last week I really like dialogue and as I was thinking about it most of my favorite shows are known for their dialogue right so a show that doesn't have a lot of dialogue kind of makes it harder for me to get into overall it just seemed a little slow Mm. so I wasn't yeah I wasn't a real big fan of it I 
I watched all five episodes, but uh, yeah. That's fine. I expected nothing less, honestly. But I can tell you the dialogue thing, holy crap, it, it changes so much. Um, I'm probably going to say this until your guys' ears bleed. The first five episodes are so not representative of what the rest of the series is. It picks up in humor, it picks up in action, it picks up in romance. Um, it picks up in dialogue for sure because as John's psyche starts just unraveling, he just throws out everything all the time. He will not shut up. So that gets a lot more fun and it gets a lot more introspective too as the seasons go on. I was going to say, because at least for the first five episodes, it felt much more event driven. Mm hmm. And I definitely am more of a character-driven kind of person. So, like, I had a hard time connecting to any of the characters. I didn't feel like I was shown a lot of any of the characters. That is fair. Um, I did like Rigel. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's adorable. (laughs) You like the least likable one. He's adorable. Okay, He's... look, when he, like, passes gas to Helium. Oh, my gosh. Like, that got me. Like, the first episode. <laughs> I will say, he, um, Rigel is probably the only one, well, Rigel and Zan both are probably the only ones that don't grow. Zan doesn't grow, though, because, like, she's literally perfect already. <laughs> um, you see more about her past and everything, but you don't. She doesn't really change. Rigel's just always a little fart knocker, like, the entire time. When I can see where that would get old and repetitive, but for the first five episodes, it was... Oh, yeah. I'm not even saying it's not... It's bad. It's just, like, he literally does not change. He's a fart from the beginning and a fart to the end. Like, (laughs) he... Oh, my... And literally farts all the time. They play that helium gag so many times. Oh, well, I can see how that can get, like... So many times. Kind of tiresome. It's not even really funny to me <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any other thoughts just for the preliminary, preliminary stuff? Uh, not really for preliminary, I don't think. Okay. Uh, what do you think, Elizabeth? All right. Well, it's kind of hard for me to come at the first five episodes with, uh, like, not being biased because I want to like the show. <laughs> like, because I'm... Besides hearing about it from Janelle, I'd heard about it from other people, and I've heard that there's some really great ships. So I was kind of already invested before I even started watching. I will say that I was, I wasn't in love with it. I wanted to say I liked it. I liked it, and I was, I'm optimistic. I think it has a lot of potential, Um, and so I mean, I'm gonna keep watching. I mean, I've already Yay. watched seven episodes. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. And uh, you mentioned, like, puppets. And um, mm-hmm. I really like the puppetry on yeah. the show. <laughs> I do like the puppetry on the show. What, what do know. you think, Kim? I was fine with the puppetry. Um, awesome. I, I'm i more like the blue person and, like... Zan. Uh, Zan, Yes what's his face with like the tentacles like that's more like i'd kind of prefer the puppet puppets over them like right so yeah i I liked the puppetry i mean it's not really my cup of tea in general but i would didn't like think oh gosh that's horrible that that puppetry if that makes right Mm -hmm. well and it makes sense that you wouldn't think that that 
puppetry is horrible because it's actually done by the Jim Henson Company. Um, they sank tons of money into making these super, well, as realistic as you can get with puppets um, for this show. I mean, Pilot is all of puppet, and he's stinking huge, too. Did you guys notice that? In, um, I think it was uh, Thrown for a Loss is when you first, like, really get an idea how, of how big Pilot is. Thrown for a Loss is the one um, where Rigel... Uh, is kidnapped and then like eats some stuff mm. that makes him start like oh no 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 I'm mixing two of them up that's episode six hmm I don't know there's a couple of them though you get to see like how are you talking big about the one is. where it gets hot um gets hot you were talking about the one that gets hot <laughs> <laughs> where you're like something that's happens not and everybody gets really hot where the bugs are like <laughs> using the ship to yeah reproduce. i did like the second episode more than i like the first episode because they were all on the ship i like bottle episodes so and i was also the one of the first things i thought about when i started watching it was lost in space not the tv series but the movie mm-hmm. have y'all seen that movie i have not i have not Oh my gosh, I used to love this movie as a kid. So I was also looking it up to see if it was on Netflix so I could rewatch it. And I found out that Netflix is going to reboot Lost in Space. And I'm so oh, nice. excited. But it, So it kind of gave me a feeling of nostalgia also watching it. Yeah. Seeing these people Lost in Space again. Like, Oh, and the guy that plays uh, Joey on Friends is also in Lost, the movie Lost in Space. Oh, nice. Anyway. Um, so... Yeah, basically, I mean, like I was saying, the, the puppets are, like, stinking huge, and they're all detailed, and you haven't even seen the best ones, because they, like, fuse the puppetry with, like, prosthetic-type stuff mm-hmm. and everything, and it's super cool um, for different uh, alien races. Um, one of the things that I really noticed in this rewatch is how awesome the female characters are in this. Did you guys notice that? Like, do you agree at all? Because Aaron is established as not being, like, your typical heroine. She's also not your typical female character. Like, she's feminine, but she is in no way girly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she can kick your butt all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think about that? It reminded me of... Um I should know their names, but the people from X Files. Uh, oh, Scully. Scully and yeah. wait, tell me the both of their names. Mulder is David Duchovny, and Scully is um, um, Karen. No. Uh. Okay, so Mulder and Scully. Scully. Uh, the female is like the one that is uh, not intuitive, and the male is the one that's like sensitive. Yeah. Um, and I felt like that John and the peacekeeper had a little bit of that going on. Yeah. Because he's always kind of like telling her, all right, you know, like maybe we shouldn't <laughs> torture people. Like maybe we shouldn't beat this person up or maybe we don't have to jump to the conclusion that they're our enemy. Like she's kind of, right. I like that she's tough and I like that they have that dynamic going. That's how I saw it. I like that they're, I like their dynamic. You, you touched on this and it, it really kind of cracks me up, um, Elizabeth, that the peacekeeper is not a peacekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> and that John, who's, like, out of his depth, is the one that's all like, whoa, 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 let's calm down people. Like, he's the one that brings human- humanity ah, mm-hmm. humanity, and civility to these people, and he has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't even know how to brush his teeth in space because it's oh a bug. Gosh, I'd be so upset having to brush my teeth <laughs> like that. Yeah, that was gross. <laughs> I would be so upset. <laughs> 
Um, were you gonna say something? I was just saying that was gross. That yeah. Was, that was it. Um, and that this tangentially relates to, um, John just not understanding how things work and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and how he always has to like relate it back to some pop culture reference I love or something his pop like that. References, though. Oh, and they just increase and increase and increase yes. as time goes on. See, well, and I, I was thinking about this. Um, like normally, pop culture references will date a show, mm-hmm. but to me, his pop culture references won't really because even if the audience has no idea what he's talking about, the people around him mm-hmm. have no idea what he's talking about. So yes. the fact of whether or not those pop culture references are really relevant when you're watching mm-hmm. doesn't seem to matter. And and you know, a lot of his and maybe it is because we're 15 years later. A lot of his pop culture rele- uh, references didn't seem that relevant to me, but I don't think even in 2000 like was Clint Eastwood and some of the things he was were they I they feel have like been that's kind big? of iconic though like yeah. Clint Eastwood and Animal House I'm trying to think of some others he did I think those are kind of well, iconic we all I feel like almost everyone maybe not my mom knows who Clint Eastwood is <laughs> I mean they're iconic but it's like I wouldn't really picture a 25 year old being like loving Clint, Clint Eastwood or yeah. 30 year old I don't know how exactly how old he was but well, I have theories on this because part of it is he actually does reference throughout the series. I know you guys don't have much experience with this, but throughout the series, he actually references movies from way back in like the 50s all the way to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, that makes me so happy. He actually references Buffy and says that he imagines that Buffy's going to be dead by the time he gets back to Earth. Well, she's... Yeah. Spoiler alert, she dies a few times. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and it's, you know, I was starting to think about it. I was overanalyzing this, like, so much the first time I ever watched it. Because I was a psychology major at the time, so that's the name of the game is overan- uh, overanalysis. I started thinking, I'm like, he's a smart dude. He's an astronaut. He's a scientist, which he also... He got his doctorate in, what was it? Like, cosmic, like... I don't remember something um it was some made it was a made-up degree but it was interesting <laughs> but he got his phd in it and yeah. i love how he's like trying to explain that like it's like nobody cares dude nobody understands uh-huh. anything yeah. of what you're saying right mm-hmm. but i mean he's like this really smart dude but he constantly makes references that he knows nobody will get and he's using them to explain things even though he knows that they won't get it and so i was like why why does he keep it like i know that it's fun for us to watch but why would he as a character do this and it finally hit me i was like oh no that's so sad that's how he remembers home if he doesn't make these references he loses hope and he loses you know that part of him that's, that's searching for back home um and this is a look into the future that you guys haven't seen but it, that really becomes apparent. Like, I, I love how much they take into account his wardrobe and the things that he does, the way that he talks. They very much, the writers of the show really much wove it into the story that he's going to change as he goes through. Like, a, as a good character should, but in some ways he's more of a human and in some ways he's so much or not more of a human but more of an earthling and in some uh, other ways he's so much less of an earthling as time goes on because like um he starts wearing clothes 
from that universe in, like, the second season. Yeah, I'm wondering when the astronaut uniform is gonna, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, go to tatters or something. It's Well, it's not even that it, like, dies. He just literally starts wearing different clothes. I mean, eventually um, I would have to. I mean, one <laughs> would hope he would do that after, like, a week because it's the same <laughs> outfit. He didn't bring anything else with him. <laughs> well, no, he was supposed to land on the International Space Station, so okay. he, oh, so he feasibly su- took clothes with him. So maybe um, he has multiple of those uniforms? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but regardless, he starts wearing entirely different stuff, and he starts using their lingo more, like talking about arns instead of ours, and, and um, you know, cussing like them, saying frell instead of other words that you're not allowed to use on TV, um, or in this podcast. Ding! <laughs> so... It's it's just kind of interesting to me to see that, um, and I don't know if you guys got have gotten to this, but in the first season, I think it is, there's an episode where he loses his crap because he doesn't have his notebook anymore or his recorder or something like that. I don't think we've seen no, that. We he seen just that. about like strangles Rigel, if I remember right, because he's like trying to find his notebook. And I was like, holy crap, that is so sad, because it's his only way to get home. Like he continually records messages to his father throughout mm-hmm. the whole first season and the opening credits are him recording a message to send back home yeah i always thought it would be interesting like if somehow his father was getting that message when he right that would be cool does that happen later no okay yes no it doesn't but that would be cool i never thought about that <laughs> that was like that that was what i was thinking in the first episode as oh, he's like i think i know one of the uh, um, saying this message to his father, like, I don't know, it would just have been really cool if somehow, like, it then switched to Earth and you can see that his father's actually picking up this message. That would have been really cool. Very cool. What were you going to say, Elizabeth? Um, I just think I know the thing. You said that there was something that happened in the first few episodes that pushed a story arc later on in the series, and I think I know what that thing is. What episode did you go to? I went to seven. Seven? No. No, I haven't gotten there yet. Nope, 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 nope. Okay, so... So, (laughs) should I explain that since that's recorded? I don't know. Um, I don't... Well, that is one of my favorite points. We can cut this a little bit out, but... Okay. Well, I was thinking for myself. I don't want any spoilers, but... Okay. That wasn't going to be a spoiler, but... Okay, whatever. No, if it's not... If you say it's not going to be a spoiler, then... No, it's not. She's just going to tell you how the very last episode ends. That's not a spoiler, (laughs) is it? I don't even remember how the last episode (laughs) ends. Okay. Um, I trust you, Janelle. Tell us what's up. Uh, There's... One of my absolute favorite things um, about this show is how they uh, set up the rest of the show. Like, there's something that happens in one of the episodes in season one that you don't even see. It's entirely off of camera. Oh. Um, and it shapes the entire rest of the show. And the way that it's revealed in the second season um, is super cool because <laughs> nobody knows. Nobody knows that it's happened, but it's revealed to you as the watcher that this is what's going on. This is This is where all of this drama is coming from. This is why people are acting weird. And they don't even know it. And I, I don't know. It's like they set up the long game like really well between season one and two. And because of that, season two is my absolute favorite season. Fun fact. Um, this is one of those shows where it has like majorly reoccurring characters. People that you see mm-hmm. in the pilot episode pop up like 
later in the first season they pop up in like the third season and you're like wait i recognize you but who are you <laughs> like um i went and looked up on the on the fifth episode i can't think of her name but the the peacekeeper that we meet like she she comes Jelena, back yeah, yeah she comes back a few times because uh, okay i was wondering about that because of yeah. the whole john and uh what's her name kalina jelena 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 comes back for like a couple little. episodes. There's, I think they're adorable. What do you think? Yes. I think the relationship is stupid, but I think they're adorable. They are adorable. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> what, what did you think about their relationship, Kim? I thought... No feels. No, I mean, I thought it was cute. I didn't really trust it. Yeah. Okay. That's so, fair. Mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't know if she was on the up and up or not. She, That's she, a, she, yeah. she seemed to be... But at the same, so it was like, yeah, I just didn't trust it. And that's one reason I kind of went and looked to see, like, how many episodes she mm. was been in. Um, to see if, like, she, if this was going to become a thing or anything. But Yeah, she's actually a catalyst for the entire rest of the show. Okay. Um, really? And yeah, yeah. I really like Jelena. Um, I actually saw one of the other episodes that she's in, the catalyst episode, um, before I ever saw the first one. And, yeah, my thing was, going back and watching it, I mean, there was totally chemistry in both of uh, the episodes. I don't remember the third one that she's in, but good Lord, was that rushed. <laughs> it's like, It was basically like, there's two girls on this ship. This is John thinking here. There's two girls on this ship. One of them seems to like me. Yep. Okay. We're good with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. How how much time had has passed since he uh, got to the ship? Got because he's just like female attention showing it to me. Yes. Let's go there. <laughs> well, and I think that it helps that Jelena looks like him. Which okay, we should say this. Um, the peacekeepers are of a single race. They're called Sebations, and they're genetically super, super similar to humans. So they look exactly the same. And you've got then Jelena and you have Aaron's son that both look like humans, and they're both female. But John can't even approach Aaron <laughs> for fear of being, like, beaten up, because good lord, is she tough. What did you guys think about everybody? Like, do you think that... In the five episodes that these characters were still static, or do you think they were a little bit more dynamic? Kim brought up the point that this is very, these five episodes are very uh, event driven as opposed to character driven, and I completely agree with that, which it makes sense though because they literally just escaped Peacekeepers and they're trying to like get everything together. But if you want me to root for them, like, I need to like them. Right, right, right. And so, for me, they are pretty static. Like, yeah. I just... I, st- uh, I would say that we do see some uh, some growth, a little bit of growth. Like, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I hope I'm not wrong, but in the episode with um, keep the peacekeeper that's not the brunette, the blonde. Oh, Jelena? Jelena. In the episode where Jelena's, you know, that episode... Doesn't Aaron, doesn't Aaron kind of admit that he she's jealous, like she shows feelings for John? She doesn't outright say that. It's no. more like she disapproves, but she tries to not say that she feels for John. Yeah. So I feel like we're getting some. I, feel like I mean, she, like, it's a little growth, but I think we're getting there. I feel like she did admit that she had, that he intrigued her and she. That's right. She did she, say that. 
that she... You were intrigued me when I first saw you, but I quickly got over it. It was something like that. Right. I really like... And at the end of that episode, Julie... Julie... Jillian. 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 Says something about, like... Jelena. Wow. Jelena. Jelena says something to John, like, if I invited you to come along, I think Aaron would would probably kill me or something like that. Yes. Which I really like that line a lot. <laughs> I really like that line a lot. I have two episodes in in mind that were actually pretty changing for two of the most like hard characters in the show. Um, specifically, Thank God It's Friday Again, which I know you saw. It's episode six. Yes, um, I like that episode. Because... That's the one where, yeah, this is what I was getting confused earlier. That's where uh, Rigel eats the tannet root, and, like, if he pees or, or spits or anything, like, stuff catches on fire because <laughs> it's poisoned him. Did you watch that one, Kim? Okay. She shakes her head no as she takes a drink of water. That one, I feel like, is a good opportunity for growth from Aaron because Aaron actually plays scientist. Oh, yeah, and I love how she's and bragging she, about it at the end. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's like, I did science. <laughs> Because um, she saves Rigel's life. And she's, like, listing off all the skills she had to use. Yeah. It's really cute. It is really cute. And then at the same time, um, I think, oh, it's PK Tech Girl, the one mm. where the rest of them are on the Zelbinian, and then there's this other, the Zelbinian is a ship, and this other race of, like, scavenger aliens, like, fly up and they're wanting to destroy Moya, scavenge her and the Zelbinian um, and Zan thinks really quickly and like makes Dargo become this distraction because he's just so spitting mad that he's like screaming in a foreign language and I feel like that's a really cool episode for Dargo A because he becomes this strategist did you notice that? Oh yeah um, against his own will, because he doesn't like deceiving an opponent, but, yeah. like, he very much, um, is, like, choosing the words that he's saying and making sure that, you know, he's being diplomatic, and he's showing just a completely different side from his normal, I'm a warrior, I'm just gonna charge in and do my thing. I felt that was, like, really interesting, because it's a common theme in the show that, Nobody is nobody is who they seem like they are, and they always have moments where they just change completely as a character, if that makes sense. I think one episode that kind of showed a different side of Dargo was the episode where the species that was like him. Oh, yeah. Back and back and back again. And, and that or showed... Kind of a compassion side of him, or mm-hmm. or a side that related to these people that were like him, because I think it shows just how much he hates being in exile, right? Um, and also kind of show that there's more to his backstory than he's letting out. Like I think he claims he killed some what he killed somebody on his ship. He killed right? a fellow uh, warrior, I think is how okay. he puts it. Um, but in that episode, we definitely see that he's been lying to everybody, but we don't know right then what his actual crime was that landed him there. Right. It's actually his his actual crime is like really sad. It, I I actually know this one. You I, know what it is. I accidentally looked up a spoiler. Yeah. It's so sad. It's sad. But through the revelation of that secret, um. 
I think he gets like a lot of freedom and everything. And the Dargo that you see by the end of the series compared to the Dargo at the beginning of the series is totally different. Mm -hmm. Like he has chilled out so much and he seems like he's some like, you know, super grown up to us. But like Zan remarks in the first episode, she's like, oh, you're but a boy. And it's like he legit is. He's he's like only in like his 20s. Um, comparatively, that's that's I the feeling I never would have guessed. Get. Yeah, like he's I really super, thought he was older. <laughs> he's super, super brash, and really young. Um, and by the end of the series, not that he's aged that much for his species, but in his character, he has a whole lot. He's not just this guy that just like runs into nothing, and he actually becomes funny. Oh my gosh, he's funny. I would love to see a funny. He jokes his with name John. Is. It's great. And he has one of the best romances in okay, the series. Have we seen the person he's going to have a romance no, with? No, I oh. really wish we had. For a moment in the first episode, I thought him and the priest was like, uh, what's her name? Zan. Zan. When she's talking about the fourth sensation, <laughs> which I love, by the way. I wish I could figure out a way to use that in everyday conversation. <laughs> but, um, and then, okay. Also, I kind of got, I kind of like him and Aaron together for some weird reason. I oh, think Dargo it, and Aaron? Yeah. Like, yeah. in the seventh episode, they have, like, they spend a long time sitting up in this tree. Um, I forgot why. And I was just like, every time they cut to that and they showed me more of them bickering in that tree sitting together, I was like, yeah. Like, I could kind of see yep. this. I, that might be kind of weird, but I like it. Um, even though I think that Aaron and John are probably uh, endgame, but I'm not sure. See, I almost see Aaron and Draco. Dargo. Dargo. Mm -hmm. More like brother-sister, like bickering. Oh, I could see that, that too. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I love hearing you guys talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> so who becomes, like, the big ships? Yeah, yeah. This is a really um, question. Have we seen... Have we seen the biggest ship of the show yet? You have seen the biggest ship okay. of the show. Is it Aaron and John? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> That's a yes. Uh, yes. Aaron and John are on again, off again, and then, like, super strongly on um, for the rest of eternity. Um, but then there's also some other really good ships. Is there, like, a second um, major ship? I, all of them kind of uh, are about equal after Aaron and John. Okay. Um, Do you have a favorite ship? Yeah, but it's it's not one that's on here yet. You get introduced to, like, three more insanely important characters um, by the end of the season. Ones that stick with you for the rest of the series. Um, and they make up the remaining of, of the ship. Well, two of them make up the remaining of the ships because, no, not the other. Because, spoiler alert, Krace is not actually the main villain. Okay. Um, Crace is like a little lapdog, little, well, rebellious lapdog to the villain. And the villain is so good. Who plays the villain? Wayne Pygram, I think his name is. Um, and he is a character named Scorpius. Okay. Who, I'm going to show you guys a picture of Scorpius. I just yes. want to get, I want to get your reactions. Even though nobody can see this on the podcast, I'm going to show you, number one, Scorpius. Close your eyes. Okay. Oh, my eyes are closed for the audience. I'm going to show you Scorpius, and I'm going to show you Dargo without makeup, because it's, what? like, frightening. 
Okay. So, this is Scorpius. Say hello to beautiful Scorpi. Oh my goodness. Gross. <laughs> he it's looks like a dominatrix. <laughs> but not a good but, like, looking not one. Not a good one. Like one that like is way too old to be still working as a dominatrix. Yes. Um, Anne, are you ready? Oh, for... you know what it really looks like. I'm sorry. It looks no, like um, Catwoman. Oh my god. You know, <laughs> but not um, what's her name that did the Catwoman movie? Not uh, Halle Berry. Not um, Halle Berry. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, I mean she. I mean beautiful. She's beautiful, but mm-hmm. it's more like someone else put on her costume. It looks like a like really a old, com- ugly, demonic man put on her costume. <laughs> it looks like a combination of that and like the monkeys from um, the flying monkeys from. Uh, the Wizard of Oz? The mm. Wizard of Oz, Wicked. That's oh, what he okay. looks like in real life. Not so bad. Still he, kind of evil looking, but not, not so bad. But not nearly as... No. Know, he much, much better. That's the look he should sport and when he goes out. This is Dargo. <laughs> what? Not what I was thinking at all for Dargo. <laughs> not at all. It's like a middle-aged man who's slightly bald. <laughs> I mean, not um, like he's not ugly or anything. He's just not... Doesn't have tentacles coming out of his face? Yeah. yeah. And um, I know that he's like, I don't know. Fun fact. I, well, I shouldn't say fact. I'm like 80% sure on this, so I probably shouldn't say it, but I'm going to anyway. Um, he and Scorpius were actually in a relationship together in real life. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. They were also in a band together. I know that is 100% true. <laughs> Um, there's not tons of information though on them. That's one of the things you run into with the show. There's not tons of information on it because, um, it was a long time ago, a relatively long time ago. Um, and also this was produced in Australia, I believe. That's why everybody has these different accents. Um, because they're all Australian or I think there's a couple British people, Mm -hmm. um, and that's why, also, if you ever see John's logo, it's IASA instead of NASA. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah, I forget exactly what it stands for, but it's like the okay, I thought Australian that that, type thing. Okay, for, I thought that they had just made up an organization no. that was supposed to be NASA, but so. they were like, we can't use NASA's name. I don't think so. so I we think have it's to real. Work. No, I believe you. I could be entirely wrong, but I think it's real. Um, who is, if you can have a favorite character, I know you weren't like super attached to anybody, Kim, but if you guys have a favorite character... Who would it be? Rigel. Rigel? Oh, yeah, you said that. Yeah, I love Rigel, but I think that my set. Okay, I'm going to choose a second favorite character. That's kind of hard because I like John, but I also like uh, Dargo. Dargo, yeah. Okay, that's his name. Dargo. Dargo's a solid choice. Um, yeah, I could root for Dargo. It's hard. It is. It's I like very the, hard. I do actually like them all together. I like the, I do like the dynamic they have when they're all together. Right. I love um, Dargo and Zan's dynamic, especially, because she's, like, Zan, I think, is probably my favorite um, character besides John. In the first five episodes, I feel like Zan is definitely my favorite, mm. and the rest of it, John probably is. But everybody just, like, tiptoes around Zan in the best way possible. Like, they treat her so respectfully. And I think that is super cool. Like, she just has that air about her. She really does, yeah. I can see where Zan would become a favorite character. Oh, totally. I love Zan. And she gets, her character, her history gets, like, much deeper as time goes on. But like I said, she, like, herself pretty well stays the same. Does she have, like, a deeper backstory? She does. Because, okay, I don't know that we really said it outright, but Zan is a priest who was imprisoned. 
So those two things do not mesh well. She was imprisoned for wrong that she did, like legitimate wrong, not that she just ticked somebody off. Okay. So it's like there's some conflict there that you find out later that is really pretty cool to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, well, I'll go ahead and say it. She has probably, for me personally, she has probably the second best ship. Really? Yep. Okay. okay. I'm very interested. Of course, you could honestly ship her with, like, anybody in the show. <laughs> Except for Rigel. That would be weird. That would be weird. <laughs> no one should date Rigel. Does Ri- Rigel ever have a relationship? No. Rigel has a relationship with himself. Yeah, forever. I can see that. Yeah. Ry- Rigel doesn't really care about anybody. Eh, well, he does have moments. I think he probably cares about Zan the most out of anybody. Um... And he will occasionally sacrifice for everybody else. Um, and you do get some really good moments with him, like when he barters, you know, for peace with uh, the the space cockroach queen <laughs> in Exodus from Genesis. So I guess I guess you're winning me over. I guess I like Rigel. <laughs> you don't have to like Rigel. No, you don't he's the to. he's just the cause of so much trouble. Like the the one where. He's held for ransom or whatever. Because he had to take the thing to, like, for his scepter. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, like, honestly, uh, they copy and paste that type of storyline. I was going to say, actually, I really didn't like him in that episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked him in the other four episodes, but he annoyed the crap out of me in that episode. Yeah. There's several episodes where it's, like, uh, everything is just driven by him being selfish and doing something stupid that endangers everybody else. Um, but he also does save the day in the miniseries, which is super cool. I won't say anything more than that, but like he he saves everybody. Well, saves John and Aaron at least. I wanted to bring up like as I was watching this, I was thinking a lot about barrier to entries because like I feel like last week you talked a little bit about the barrier to entries for mm. you for Sports Night, and for me this show had a lot. Yeah, what, what would you um, say? One, the lack of dialogue. Mm. Um, and because, and we have talked about, like, I like sci-fi, but I like particular types of sci-fi. Right. And, and that's never going to be my go-to thing. Like, that's one reason I'm excited for this podcast is because you all will introduce me to new things. But so that is kind of, it's bar- a barrier to entry in itself for me is just taking me out of the real world and putting me into other worlds can be hit or miss for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I was kind of thinking of, like, what type of sci-fi I like. And I like much more grounded in reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also like reading sci-fi better than I like watching sci-fi. That's fair. Um, Because, like, I love a good future dystopian no- novel where we've ruined the earth and have to <laughs> um, either go go off earth or you know are on this earth but things are just crap and so like that those were kind of the different things that were sticking out in my mind and when things are more event based or action based I get bored honestly like I, I've never been a big action movie person never been um, so I always got bored during Star Wars. Please do not kill me, <laughs> people out there. But I've never been a Star Wars fan. I got bored. I get bo- bored during the action mm-hmm. sequences. And so that, for me, I found myself again during some of the action stuff. Like, just, it's like, oh, what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, first, I kind of, 
uh, dystopian novels that you're attracted to, I'm not attracted to. Like, I love The Hunger Games, but that was, like, an exception for me. Mm -hmm. I really hate thinking about... It makes me depressed thinking about the Earth, like, becoming dystopian, like, having a dystopian future. Maybe because I'm cynical and, like, in my (laughs) mind we're already headed that way. Like, I like seeing other people's versions of this. I don't want to, like, acknowledge that we might be headed that way. So I kind of... I gravitate more to kind of, like, the lost in space kind Mm. of thing. Um, and also, like, it's also a nostalgic thing for me because of the movie Lost in Space. I used to watch Star Trek with my dad and, like, stuff like that. What was the other thing you said, Kim? Oh, yeah, action-based. Like, I, my perfect, you know, my perfect blend of action and dialogue is really, like, Josh Whedon. Like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I love it when there's action and they're talking at the same time. Like, doing little quips at each other and witty, like, banter. And you get that a lot also, like, in um, some of my favorite superhero movies, like Mm -hmm. um, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Ant-Man, and then I love Josh Whedon's, both of his Avengers. So, I don't know, I'm kind of in the middle. middle I was going to say, like, I just, yeah, I don't care about people hitting (laughs) each other and whatever. Yeah. I'd rather, you know, them take them down with a great sentence. (laughs) That's so Sorkin. (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's why uh most of my favorite shows were written by him right that's funny well i do have a note of hope even though i don't i don't think you're gonna continue to watch kim but um i do believe somebody you know i think your your twin was probably present um and actively like writing to the writers (laughs) all the time because basically everything that you said um it, it they they fix all of that as as time goes on like um and it does become one of the things that you notice more as the series goes on and you kind of do in the one episode it's thank god it's friday again where they're just mining or not mining they're uh Mm -hmm. cultivating this planet like to death it's very much a dystopian utopia like i know those two things clash but like it looks like a utopia, but it's yeah. actually a dystopia. Yeah, P- the peacekeepers put out all of this rhetoric that they're there for like improving the galaxy and everything's going to be fine and great, but everything's like rotting from the center from them and their enemies because they aren't the only bad people. <laughs> Finger wag, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's everything that you say is wrong. Like it, it improves on all of that and more as time goes on. I'm not promising, but maybe in a few months I will let you pick out what you think is the absolute best episode and I will go give that a try. Because sometimes, you know, shows do improve and I'll go away from them and then find them again later and I have to start like start at season three and then I go back after I've fallen in love with the show. Right. Well, I'm going to say to anybody who listens and tries to watch the first five episodes and, and like Kim just can't can't take it anymore um i would say you can skip forward to episode 19 of season one you miss the introduction of at least one character um who's another one of my absolute favorites in the show but you land there right in time for the mysterious thing that happens that nobody sees um right then and everything from there on is like driven by that episode and the next one and yeah mm-hmm. that's kind of where everything super picks up and 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 
it gets to be the show that it's supposed to be. So, so Kim, um, what would you rate this? Um, I mean, it was it was okay, but I will not be yeah. continuing on. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it it wasn't. It was. It's probably my least favorite of what we've watched so far. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, Elizabeth. As I, I'm going to keep watching, I'm kind of in the middle of, like, neutral and liking it right now, I would say. So I'm eager to, like, watch more and check in uh, next episode with you guys. I binge watch like crazy, so I might make it to episode 19 by then, you know? Yay! Um, oh, yeah, previous recommendations. Has anyone else, has anyone watched any more of Gossip Girl? No. 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 Got it. Uh, there was something I wanted to bring back up that we mentioned last week. Okay. So last week in Sports Night, we were talking about whether or not um, it was filmed in front of a studio audience. Yeah. So the way the studio was laid out, there was a lot of scenes and a lot of the sets that the audience couldn't see, see so they wouldn't film those in front of the audience. It was an argument, actually, with ABC and in the first season, because they were brand new, they lost that argument. But by the second season they won the argument and that's where your um so why why you no longer have the laugh track and stuff mm-hmm. is because they're no longer filming it in front of the studio and the set stayed the same mm-hmm. because it's all just and it's all like kind of one continuous set and i've been trying and trying to figure <laughs> out this set and i've kind of got a good grasp on it um which might have been posted this last week on the blog we'll see um go to our blog and check it out yeah but so because it it is a very very confusing set like i have followed walk and talks in this (laughs) last week so many times and and i think i for the most part have it figured out i still have no idea where isaac's office is but whatever so what are we doing next week uh elizabeth oh yeah it's my my turn next week i want to force you guys to watch the big short the movie Ah. it's available on netflix and you know it's about the i know it's gonna be it does not sound like it's gonna be fun because it's about the the market crashing you know Mm. from the housing crisis right Um, 2008 right yes is it's a comedy guy that did it yeah oh you can definitely tell there's elements of comedy in there which is why it makes me feel so many emotions every time i watch it and every time i watch it i get inspired to learn more about the economy which may not sound like fun <laughs> okay it, but definitely i just encourage you guys to give it a try just a warning the big short does have nudity and language if that is something that you do not like you might want to take a pass on watching this with us this week steve steve carell is in it mm-hmm. and um the dreamy guy from uh crazy stupid love is in it ryan gosling yeah ryan gosling um which oh i think jerry uh from newsroom the actor that played jerry in newsroom hate jerry um (laughs) oh and then also um is he a horrible character in this movie? no he's not okay because i'm probably just gonna hate that character anyways that's fine um and then one of the guys from uh new girls in it one of my favorite characters from new girls in it can't remember his name right now but you'll know him when you see him if you were a fan of New, New Girls. So definitely watch it. It's on Netflix. That's what we'll be talking about next time. I'm excited because I like watching Steve Carell in more serious roles. He I, does such a good I job. I think he does a really good job in serious roles. Like, he does such a good job. He has one of the best, I mean, he has one of the best roles in the whole movie. Oh, Christian Bale is in it. Um, so 
So if you want more I Love It Don't You content, visit our website, iloveitdontyou.wordpress.com. Um, our website has links to all our social media and our email address, so please follow us, follow us, and let us know what you thought about the episode. And you can find me, Elizabeth, on Twitter at ESE0529, in case you want to, like, tell me what you think. Thanks for listening, guys. Yes, thank you. Thanks, guys.